Welcome, dear listener, to another Geeking on Sports cast. Now, today we have a special show coming to you. And, you know, you guys might be wondering who brought this conversation up. But, you know, in fact, it was not me. So <laughs> today's show, we're going to be talking or taking really a deep dive into the Canucks organization and what we think uh, or what we believe will happen and, and you know, where we think this organization is headed in the future. So before we before we get into it, I, w- I would like to say, um, so this organization has experienced a lot of change in the last two months. Um, Jim Benning was fired, as well as Travis Screen and a whole bunch of coaching staff and back and like front office personnel. Um, yeah. in, in it, so they brought in Jimmy Rutherford um, as the president of Hockey Operation. They got in, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Something Allen? Uh, um, Patrick Alvin. Alvin, sorry. And then as well as uh, two assistant general managers, they brought in a whole slew of um, analytical uh, individuals working the back end. Um, They got Bruce Boudreau uh, and, you know, Bruce, there it is, Chance, or right and center. Um, And although, you know, the Canucks are slowly climbing towards a playoff spot, it does, however, seem rather unlikely that they'll make it. But there's been a lot of change in the last two months, and um, I think it's it's interesting that we're going to take a, a closer look. But as we get into it, what do we make of this team? And, and let's go from goaltending, defense, offense, and then more to the system and so on. So goaltending. Now, I think I think we can both agree that Demko is is pretty much a bona fide starter. He's done really well. His advanced metrics are really good. Um, but what, what what else can we say for this position? Like, is this something that we see the Canucks having a lot of success in the future or are there potential issues here? Uh, personally, I don't think there is any real issue. I think Demko in the past two years has really shown himself um, to be a, a number one and an elite goalie in the league. I, I arguably... This year, he's been definitely, I think, in my opinion, a top 10 goalie in the league. And we can just take from Rutherford's comments where he he literally said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but we have a great goalie that's making our results look much better than who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think we'll, we'll get touch upon it a little bit in the in later in this pod about the direction of the team and, and kind of what Rutherford means by that. But um, I think this is actually in a weird way the, the strongest place um, for the Canucks just because, you know, the hardest thing to do, look at the Leafs right now, is to find a number one goalie, right? And I think um, now, you know, things change, and but, you know, he's on a very reasonable contract. I'm just looking at it now. It's $5 million for the next five years, including this year. So, like, it's not a crazy contract. And it's manageable. Yeah. Yeah, and he it goes through his prime. He's only 26. It basically gets him to like 31, 32. And I, I just think it's a he's a great goalie. And and the least of the problems right now for the Canucks is goaltending, other than maybe trying to maybe draft a couple just to have something in the in the minor league system. But that, that's how I see it. As well as backup goaltending has not been great this year um now it's a little unfair to halak because in a lot of the games that halak has played the team hasn't really backed him up 
they've, they've allowed a lot of goals, but that was because of poor defending. Uh, a lot of good opportunities given in higher danger uh, places on the ice or spaces on the ice. So when, when that occurs, you, you can't really blame everything on the goalie. Now, of course, you want the goalie to be better, but you know you have to look. You have to take a look at the other parts of it. Um, and so it, it leads me to wonder, because this contract that Halak is on, it's going to be, it's iffy. It's 1.5 million, but it's essentially like 3 million cap space for next season and so on. Like it, it, with, with, it, with added bonuses and so on, um, the, way that the, with the way that the deal has been structured, it's structured so that lesser money was, um uh i'm pretty sure you're wrong buddy um it says he has one year he's a ufa at the end of the year according to cap friendly so i don't think no but there's an additional because so he might be a ufa but there's an addition to like if he if he hit 10 games or something there's a clause he gets more money and i believe that goes on the cap and i'm pretty sure that goes on the cap um anyways it's it's kind of like the whatever money we made up from Luongo's contract ending, it's getting it's pushed. We're losing the money that um, uh, it, it's going towards Halak. Um, so not not ideal to say the least. Um, anyways, but one thing the organization is trying to do is is get Halak to move his no movement clause, and that would solve the issue. Uh, but. It's it's not looking great, and you alluded to it before. There aren't really any goal, good goalies in the, in the system. You could maybe say Di Pietro, but Di Pietro's, um, you know, he was hampered by the COVID year, in which the you know the taxi squad. He was part of the taxi squad, whereas he never really played. So he had an entire year where he didn't develop, and that has hurt him significantly. And it's to the point where. You know, two years ago, a lot of people were projecting uh, DPHR to be our backup in a couple of years, but I'm not even sure that's still a remote possibility. So it's interesting. It's interesting I, to do it. I just wanna, I've, I've kind of done some research on the Halak. It doesn't seem that doesn't affect you guys next year in terms of cap. It might this year, but it wouldn't next year. He's a one year deal. So, um, no, no, but it, it's trust me, there, there are bonuses or something that's in the structure. I see that, but it wouldn't affect you guys next year. It'd affect you guys this year. It's a one-year deal. So, like, you, there's no – unless you re-sign him or something, but I don't – it wouldn't affect you next year. I, I've I've heard a lot of opposite information on that regard. So, um, anyways, don't need, to, don't need to dive on – don't need to stay on that. But, anyways, backup goaltending is perhaps an issue, and – you don't need to sign someone or you don't need to have anyone that's, you know, performing at, at amazing numbers, like a 920 or anything. You just need someone that can come into the occasional game and show that they're worth it. And their value is, mm-hmm. you know, just under 2 million or something. And that that's okay. You, you don't want a backup situation where they're getting paid more than that and, you know, not producing. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I think, again, that's kind of the worry about the goaltending situation is only really the backup situation. But even then, I don't think that if, I mean, it's easy to find a, a late round or like a decent goalie at cheap price. Look at what the Sens have been doing. Look at other teams where you can kind of find a guy 
and just have a decent year. And maybe he doesn't play, you know, 30 games. He might only play 20, 25. But um, I think if the biggest problem in your team is backup goaltending, that can be fixed quite easily and and inexpensively in most cases. Right. And, and unfortunately, as we'll go on to the defensive portion, um, backup goaltending is not the real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of other issues in this team. So we'll, we'll, let's dive into a bit of the defense. Now we have four pretty much immobile defenders who are pretty much the same kind of mold in Tucker Pullman, Travis Hamanick, uh, Shen, is it Luke Shen? Yeah, Luke Shen mm-hmm. and uh, Brad Hunt. Um, you know, solid-ish players, but not when they're in your top four and, you know, not if they're playing with other you know, immobile defenders that can't get the puck out of their own mm-hmm. zone. So, you know, that, that's a big issue. And and when you have, you know, Tyler Myers has been producing at a pretty decent rate, but not at the six million is getting paid. Where yeah, I believe he's getting paid six million. Yep. Um, yeah, six million for another this year and two more years after this. So if he was getting paid closer to about four, I'd say that's more worth it. But mm-hmm. of course, Jim Benning contract, that's not how it works. So um, you know, when, when you have a defensive core like that it does bring issues. You know, Kyle Burroughs is a really good number seven serviceable uh, can come in in a pinch, but you mm-hmm. want him as a six. You don't want him any higher than that. Uh, Oliver Eklund Larson has been playing as a pretty good two, three. He's been a really good shutdown defender for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then Quinn Hughes has been a bona fide number one, but when you have essentially a number one defenseman, a number two or three, and in a couple years, probably more like a four or five, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, there's some obvious gaps in this uh, defense. Yeah, I, I think uh, you don't need to be kind of a super smart person or analyst to kind of realize the biggest weakness in the team is defense. Um, well, the weird thing about this team, though, is is this year at least they've been actually struggling more to 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 score than to to keep the puck out of the net. But again, if you look at Demko's kind of expected saves and, and expected goals, he's really saving them in a lot of these games. Um, even then, I think they've been better defensively probably than you'd think with that decor. But at the same time, I think that's clearly the biggest weakness. Um, you only really see two guys that probably will be around in the long term in terms of, of this decor, obviously Hughes. And I think Ekman Larson, because he's good, but also because of the contract, he's not going anywhere. So, um, which is okay, because I think he could be a decent player for a couple more years, but... um, Later on, it's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, it still will either way, but um, he's still productive. But other than that, they really need to find guys. And, I mean, we'll go into their draft and and their prospect pool and all that later, but that's clearly where they need to address because other than those guys, it's all kind of serviceable defensemen that are just getting you through the year. Hmm. And yeah, well, that's the thing. It's serviceable defensemen, but there's no one that can, you know, really show up on the night and really control the game other than Hughes and not even all of recommendations, literally yeah. just Hughes. Yeah. Um, but I would say with this defense core, it's been a mismanagement of spending on it. Like mm-hmm. Hamannick's, Hamannick's value is not three million; it's closer to one million. You know, Tyler Myers, Tyler Myers' value is not six million; it's closer to you know three point seven five four. 
Yeah. You know, Brad Hunt's getting you know serviceable money. He's getting eight hundred thousand. Luke Shen getting eight hundred and fifty thousand. That's fine. good value. Yeah, that's um, fine. But then, I mean, Oliver Ekman Larson's getting way overpaid. But you know, mm-hmm. as a contract we traded for, uh, and then Tucker Pullman at two point five. It's like that's not his value. His value is closer to one one point five. And it's all those little factors that kind of contribute to the larger picture of mismanaged. Um, you know, mismanaged uh, finances and it's overvaluing and it's overestimating their ability. Um, And like I said, with having four immobile defenders, they can't actually get the puck out of their zone. Mm -hmm. So when you can't get the puck out of your zone, you're going to concede more goals. Your forwards aren't going to be able to, you know, attack or or get, you know, good scoring opportunities. And it's a system, right? Like hockey can be an individual sport at times we, you know, we you can see with McDavid going across like, you know, from one end to the end to the other, but for the most part, it, it's very much a team sport that relies on teamwork and that relies on players mm. uh, supporting each other. And when you have a defense core that isn't able to actually get out of their own zone or control a puck in a safe manner, well, that's going to prevent you from actually one getting out of the zone, but then two getting good scoring opportunities. No, I mean, I think you you hit it on the end. In a weird way, this team kind of reminds me of the Jets last year in terms of like a, a pretty good forward group and then just a decor that other than a couple, one or two guys can't. Well, I mean, they didn't have anyone as good as Hughes offensively, but in terms of just having uh, like guys that are good enough to be in the NHL, but just in too big role, too big of a role, right? Luke Shen, um, Travis Hamanick. Brad Hunt, um, uh, what's his name, Pullman, who who the Jets had last year as well, even Myers. Those guys probably at this stage in their career should at uh, should be bottom pair and and maybe a fourth if you're kind of kind of being a bit nice about it. But they're really not top four defensemen, and a lot of the times they're being put in these roles. And um, I think it's a real testament to to Boudreau and also just the the team as. And, and, and a lot to Demko as to why this team's actually been all right at defending. And um, in a weird way, you'd think if their scoring was actually at kind of where you'd think they'd be at a kind of on the, not, maybe not the top, top end, but kind of top half of the league, then the series. Bodro came in. Yeah. They'd be a, they'd be a playoff team. And, and that's um, just kind of interesting. But uh, I, I mean, again, it's going to be a lot of interesting um, things that the Canucks can really do right now and a lot of flexibility in terms of guys they can get off um, to make the team better. Although they don't have a lot of cap flexibility, they do have guys that can get the, they do have a lot of guys worth a fair bit of value. Right. So, and the cap situation is something that we'll, we'll dive into a bit later, but um, yeah, that this, this defense core is very much the uh, elephant in the room was not constructed very well, not constructed with a lot of thought to it. Or, or maybe they, maybe they did, maybe the Benning era did think that there was a lot of good players and good value, but, you know, for what they can achieve, it's very, like, their potential versus their, like, mm-hmm. the lowest point. I mean, it, it seems almost as if everyone was rated at their highest point as yeah. opposed to, you know, what's a medial, you know, what's a medium average or below average, yeah, which is more or less what you're going to expect from these kind of players, especially as they get older, right? Because you yeah. don't have the same likes as you did when you were younger. Um, 
And I mean, looking at the age, Ekman Larson's 30, Tyler Myers is 32, Hamannick is 31, Luke Shen's 32, and Brad Hunt's 33. Yeah. It's like, I think Tucker Pullman's, what, 28? So, I mean, that's not that's not looking good. Yeah. That's, no, no. that's really not looking good. No, like, for sure, like, that. that's the kind of the problem with this team. And, again, like, Benning just overpaying for guys and also just acquiring Ekman Larson. Like, I think he's been all right. But, again, that's a huge contract that really isn't worth – it um as as much as I, I don't think it's really again um kind of an indictment on Ekman Larson it's more the contract right yeah um, so I think we can like move towards forwards um and the offense and and I think this is a really interesting thing with this team is that obviously they're way better since Boudreaux took charge um especially Pedersen who's really recently been playing better i mean not more than a point per game under boudreau yeah and uh and of course um besser a little bit and and jt miller's still been really good although he kind of was before but what's interesting is that they're 13th in in shots on goal per game and 23rd in goals and their shooting percentage i think is 25th so um you think especially with that kind of talent that they shouldn't be 25th in shooting percentage um and i mean i don't watch the games all the time like their games that that much but i think it is kind of an indication that in a weird way in my opinion their record is kind of reflective of how good they are but the stats are kind of all over the place if that makes sense um because i think they're much better than 23rd in the league in goals for but they're probably should be 13th in in defense mm. or in goals a lot mm. And one thing about this forward group is that they, they take a lot of shots from non-danger opportunities. And when you do that, I mean, it's going to be a high save percentage mm-hmm. and the goal is not likely to let it in. So when you take shots from those areas, it's, it's going to reflect poorly on you. So although we're getting opportunities to shoot and score and so on, it's from areas, especially from the blue line, where it's very unlikely to actually go in. Uh, what we need are high danger opportunities, high danger shots, high danger accurate shots, and we're not always getting that. Yeah, and it is interesting because we're having uh, Patterson play with Pod Colson and Hoaglander. We're having you know different matchups. You know, our supposed third line center was playing with Bo Horvat on the wing because, well, lo and behold, we thought that we had our finally solved our third line center issue. We did not. Jason Dickinson <laughs> cannot play a third line shutdown matchup rule. He can he can defend well, and his metrics for defending were really good. But when you have like I'm gonna have to check, but I think he had like five points on the season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, six, six points. He has yeah. six points in 49 games. Like that can't be your third line center. No, no, that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, he has not gone to the start that he uh, would have liked in Vancouver. Um, and th- this is like he was playing matchup lo- roles um, in Dallas against uh, Tampa Bay with with Kucherov and uh, Braden Point, and I can't remember the the other person on that line. I think it w- might have been Palat. Yeah. But you know, if Jason Dickinson was shutting down those guys for a while, you know, one would imagine that it could translate here, but it really hasn't. Yeah. Um. um. And yeah, it's just. On paper, it looks like this team could be good offensively, has not really panned out 
Although mm-hmm. they do have a lot of talent and, and, you know, Connor Garland's really skilled, JT Miller, Bo Horvath, Brock Besser, Elias Pedersen. And then I've been really impressed with Vasily Podkolzin. He's been really good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been smart offensively. He's been a little unlucky at times, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he looks like he has the form or he looks like he can be a really good second line player in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Herglander, I think he's also been really good, a little unfortunate in the, um, offensive zone. Um, he has a really bad habit, however, of giving away pucks and danger opportunities, high danger opportunities. And that has bidden us in the back end a few times. So if he can work on that, I think he can be a really, really solid player for the future because he never backs down from a challenge. He always fights for a puck. He always gives it his 100%. And you need players like that in a team because they set the standard. And that that's good culture in a sense never give up always try work hard work hard work hard and that's something that he does no i I think the forward group honestly is i mean assuming that you have kind of peak of all the players and they're all playing relatively well a really really good forward group i think again this team because of all the guys they've traded out the depth right is that if two or three guys get injured do you really have guys that can kind of plug in those kind of top line you know every team if you lose your best player but like there's a difference if you know the Oilers lose McDavid compared to Tampa losing Kucherov or someone like that right so I think with this team um, the good thing is that they have a couple young guys coming up in terms of Hoglander as you mentioned and Paul Cozen Um, and just overall I think the the forward group's really well constructed the problem is that because of the imbalance in terms of talent especially on the back end you're probably gonna have to make a move to trade one of those guys considering also the fact that you're cap constrained because of a lot of bad contracts and and guys coming up soon so I think that's the biggest challenge for Rutherford and we'll talk about it a little bit better but is how to kind of take away without take not to taking away too much from the forward group but that at the same time um, adding to the decor in, in the right ways. And, and it's going to be a real, real challenge because because of what Benning, Benning's left uh, in terms of cap and, and lack of picks, um, it's going to be really hard for them to, to really kind of find this team to be a championship contender because I think if they kind of had most of their ducks in a row, um, which I don't think would have been that, that hard, they'd actually be really close to being a cup contender. Well, a few, few more, a uh, few things have to happen before that ever mm-hmm. uh, becomes a reality. But yeah, no, you're right, and and I mean there there are some obvious flaws and so on. But um, one thing I would like to mention before moving on from the forward group, the lines, the line, which is the which is technically our fourth line, but they've really been playing as our third line, and sometimes in some games as our second line is Yuho Lamico, uh, Tyler Mott, and Matthew Highmore, mm-hmm. all three of which are out of contract. <laughs> uh, Highmore and Lamico are both RFAs, so I think we can sign them for a pretty good deal. Yeah. They're both getting paid about 750000 so yeah. we can maybe keep them on for just under a million. Um, or as Tyler Mott is getting paid one point two, but he's a UFA. Um, and here's the thing, like, We'll, we'll get into some trades later, but if we get if we trade out a wave, say like a JT Miller or someone, then we can afford to keep 
uh, Tyler Ma, assuming it's not something that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, but those are type of players that we need in this team. They yeah. work hard. They they know how to. They know what their games are, and they, they they know what their limits are, and they don't they don't go beyond their limits. It's like, which is which is what you need. You know, you don't need a fourth line that's you know scoring every night or doing this and that and whatever. You just need a fourth line that's able to produce every now and then. That's able to shut down your opponents, for which the most part they do. They usually end up being in the opponent's um, defensive zone. So yeah. in, in our offensive zone, right? So um, it would be unfortunate to see them go because they've been really good. And I can safely say that giving away Oli Uolevi for Yuho Lamico and also receiving uh, Noah Juleson has been uh, a trade in our favor. Although perhaps I think Florida were also getting rid of cap space. Yeah. That might've been a part of it. So um Either way, I really like Lamico. He's been really good. And I hope that we're able to retain all three individuals because they have been really, really solid under uh, Bruce Boudreau. I honestly think Mott will probably get kind of um, like priced out. Yeah, like 2.5 um, million kind of thing? Yeah, just because he's been such a good player and also he's a UFA, right? So um, I think if you're like a decent team, I think he's just such a good penalty killer and and good player that you might um, maybe not 2.5 but maybe 2 million but for like a long time maybe three years or something like that and that's the kind of deal that the Canucks probably can't make right now Um, unless there's a trade yeah but even then um, it'd be basically if they um, and we'll get into it but um, did you want to talk about kind of the the the, like the the prospect pool and kind of go to that or do you want to yeah, so I'm not going to name too many names because, I, I mean, for the viewers, I don't think many of our viewers will know the players anyways. Um, really, in the system right now, it, we only have one bona fide NHLer, and that's Jack Rathbone. And I don't even know if you can call him a prospect anymore because he played some games with the Canucks, and then he also went down to Abbotsford. Um, he's been doing really well. I think he's I think he's most recently just came off an injury, so it's going to be scary. He had yeah. a very scary injury. Yeah. Yeah. But beyond Jack Rathbone, that there's a there's a huge hole. And you know, people have their hopes up on Mike DiPietro, on Danila Klimovic, who I think was our I, I think he was just our I think it was a second round pick from last season. Um because we didn't have a first round pick. Thank you, Jim Benning. I, I'll get into that later, but yeah. Yeah. So but then, you know, there's a lot of hope that Klimovich can do well, but I don't think he's been doing too well in, in uh, Abbotsford. Um, you know, Will Lockwood, there was a lot of, you know, eyes on him, but we're not sure. Arthur Silovs, perhaps, but unlikely. Um, there's some hope for Linus Carl- Carlson, who's done pretty well in the Swedish Elite League. Um, Lucas Forsell has been okay. Yoni Yermo, okay. Jonathan Myrenberg, Myren- I think he's still playing WHL. Um, it's been all right, but nothing crazy. Hmm. Uh, Aiden McDonough has looked really decent for, I believe he plays in the NCAA, uh, double NCAA or NCAA. Double a, yeah. um, but th- there's no, we don't really have a strong system. There's no one in the system other than Jack Rathbone that you can say, yes, he's going to be an NHL player. And that that's bad. I mean, well, obviously it's bad, but it hurts the, it hurts the Canucks in many different ways, such as in, if you don't have young players coming through the system, 
well, you can't make use of the um, entry-level contracts, thus you're going to be overpaying on other players. Um, good teams make use, and, and teams that win the Stanley Cup make use of the entry-level contracts. They know how to develop players. And that's been a huge issue for the minor league association. And it was in Utica. Now it's moved to Abbotsford. But they have not developed players. And, like, and, and I think, to be fair, like I think with Paul Colson and, and Hoglander, those are guys that they have developed and, and have become NHL players. But the thing is, is that um, it's really hard to develop players when in the past two years – you have only one pick in the first three rounds both years, right? Um, and no first-round picks, right? And that doesn't mean that those guys would be in the NHL right now, but those guys would be probably at least playing in the AHL or kind of ready in a year or two, right? And, and they don't have that, especially in terms of kind of, I think, whoever went 10th last year, I think, um, that they traded away, or was it ninth? But... You know, there's guys that already got drafted in that kind of area that are playing in the NHL right now, right? Who got drafted just last year, not not to mention two years ago. So, it, it, I think for this team, they just need to replenish the, the the stocks, and and they still are missing, I believe, a second round pick this year. Um, oh, then we recouped it. From uh, no, and, no, no, you have you have a third round pick from us from Winnipeg. Okay that you had already traded. Um, right. No, no second round this year. So yeah. I think, I think for the Canucks, it's, you know, as you mentioned, they have a couple guys that maybe could turn into something, but there's nothing kind of for sure. And, and, and on, on that note, they don't have a lot of de- depth in terms mm-hmm. of just a number of guys that could break through in the next couple of years. Right. Uh, and that's kind of the big problem. And then in addition to that, it's not necessarily that we're expecting all these first round picks to be, you know, top line players or second line players, but it's these kind of, it's, you know, they have a certain intelligence that will often make them good enough to compete at this level. So if they're at a third line or fourth line position, that's really good because you don't need to go elsewhere to, you know, get someone for a higher contract or whatever it may be. It's better to, you know, grow players in house and to have them grow and, and develop, whereas that's not happening. It, mm-hmm. It's truthfully not. Um, and although you, you mentioned, like, even some of the players that we have developed, we haven't developed players. I mean, the only players that the Canucks have developed are players that were good enough to start in the NHL to begin with. So your Elise Pedersen, your Brock Besser, your, you know, Quinn Hughes, and so on. Um, Herglander, I think, spent a year in the Swedish Elite League and then came here. Um, good enough to start. Pud Colson had two years in Russia before coming to Vancouver. But if you look at players that went through Abbotsford, or well, I guess Utica before, and then to the NHL, precious little, precious little, if any. And that's and that's, and a that's huge the issue. kind of thing that like I think fans don't talk about, and I think it's kind of in a way a double edged sword because I, I do think it shows how valuable first round picks are because. In the Canucks case, other than obviously you mentioned you will love you, they've really hit on every other first round pick, oh, right? Okay, that was seven eight years ago. I'm talking about. In uh, the- that was that was 2014. 15, 14. I think it was fourteen, so that's eight years ago. So that was a while ago. So what I'm trying to say is like you know Patterson Hughes, that's back to back drafts, I believe. Um, Besser was I think sixteen. So. Um, so, so I guess three drafts in a row or four drafts in a row. But um, basically my point being 
and, and obviously Horvat after that, um, kind of in that Jake Vertanen era. But what I'm trying to say is they've they've actually done a decent job with their first round picks. The problem has been that there's very little guys that are coming out that aren't first round picks that have been impact players for this team, right? You know, even Hoglander, he was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken, right? So you need to find guys in that fourth, fifth round that can at least be NHLers. Now, would it be great if you found a Drake Batherson in the fourth round or, you know, Kucherov, I think was a third round pick, but um, sure. But do you at least have guys that are in the system that can be playing in the NHL who are fourth, fifth round picks? And they've really had very little of that. And, And I think that's another kind of problem with this team. Well, going back to the list of players, I'm looking through the system, and it's not until uh, – well, Jack Rathbone was a fourth-round pick in 2017, but he hasn't really played yet. 2016, no one. 2015, Adam Gaudet was the fifth-round player, but he doesn't play for uh, Vancouver anymore. He plays for Ottawa. Uh, but even then, his, his you know ability to actually perform he, – he's a fourth-line player. Like yeah. he's not, he's not fantastic, but it even, okay. 2014 draft, you know, Thatcher Demko's second round player. Oh, oh was he second? Okay. Yeah. Or well, 36th overall. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm we don't have to, we don't have to go through it all, but I just mean like, well, I, I want to, this is intriguing. Ben Hutton, Ben Hutton was 2012, Ben Hutton fifth round. Well, and he just signed a contract an extension in Vegas, like a couple of days ago. But um, yeah, no, I just mean, no, no. But if you look at the past, like the, the problem also is they haven't had a first round pick in two years. So like, it's harder to kind of judge those picks, but I mean, they've hit, I think Paul Cozen is like going to be a good player. They hit on Hughes, they hit on Pedersen. Um, Besser, I think was 15. Um, so they basically have been hitting on the more recent ones and, and that shows on the core of their team. Right. Um, but as you mentioned, it's only the first round picks. Yeah, it's no, no. And I, again, that's, that's, I'm not trying to, that's what I'm saying. So, but again, I think we should move into kind of the, what do they need to go do going forward? Because I think this is how they address that kind of um, depth issue potentially. And, and Rutherford said an interesting kind of draft history, um, but I wouldn't say he's been bad, but he, I wouldn't say he's been phenomenal. It's not as pure. It's not as yeah. Strength. Uh, yeah. So um, let's, I think, do you want to kind of talk about the imp- improvements or do you want to get into my little game first? We, we can, we'll do your ins and outs. Okay. So the listeners, um, because we have our, you know, our, our host, but also fellow Canucks uh, correspondent on with us today it, it, with Kieran, um, I think we're going to do this kind of cool game and it's pretty simple. All it is, is that I'm going to name a player. And you say in or out, and that basically means you trade or you keep. Um, and in this case, it's a Canucks version. And I'll name a couple players, and we'll just discuss if we think they should, if the Canucks should trade them or keep them. So in is keep, out is trade. So are you in or out on Brock Besser, Karen? And in, in. in. he is a part of the future. He okay. has had a slow season this year, but he was one of our best players last season, and he's a consistent goal scorer. Um, which is hard to come by. There's no reason for him not to be part of the big picture. And anyone that says otherwise, I mean, if you're trying to get rid of Brock Besser and try to get a top four defenseman, I mean, even then, it's it's a hard push. And I don't know how many teams would be able to uh, fight for that. Um, 
but he is very much. He, I mean, he's still young. He uh, well, young, well, twenty five. He's he's, in, he's entering his prime. But. Yeah, but he's a really solid player and someone that we can benefit from in the future. No, I mean he's been a he's been a consistent, essentially, kind of because of all those short seasons. He's been basically on pace for thirty goals almost every year, right? So, um, or twenty five thirty. Um, in this case, this year it's about twenty five goals. I think you trade. Um, but really? you know, I think it's out. Um, but it's also dependent on the trade for sure. Um, in my opinion, you have to sign him again. Is he, what are you looking at? You know, that's the thing with Rutherford is he is a seven point, I think four or five qualifying offer. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my worries. I don't think he's worth that much. Um, honestly. Um, and, uh, in, unless you're signing him to a long-term deal. Right. And I believe he's one or two years away from UFA. So um, he's at least one. He's at least obviously one year away because he's your RFA. But in my opinion, he has a decent amount of value. And you you shop him. You see what you can get from him. because you have 20... to... Sorry, go ahead. Because he's – I think he has value. And also because you don't have a lot of picks. You don't have a lot of cap space right now. And I think you can get more than – I think you can easily get more than what Toffoli got, honestly, or at least in that, which was basically a first and a second um, in terms of a prospect. You definitely get a first, and then I think you get either a good to high-end prospect um, for him, and I think that's kind of what you want, right, especially Mm -hmm. if it could be a defensive prospect. So um, for me, it's more the cap problems. I think if the the Canucks didn't have, like, Tyler Myers and Oliver Ekman-Larsen at – you know, 13 million being paid for the next long while, then I'd, I'd be on to keep him because he is a good player. But in this case, because of the cap, because he's close to UFA, um, unless I can find a really good long-term deal, I think, I think you trade him now and, and get as much as you can for him. The thing I would say with that is he, and this might come later uh, with another player that mm-hmm. we have in mind, this might influence both, are reasons for why you're out on Besser and I'm in on Besser, but he's a point eight uh, point per player, a point eight uh, points per player per sorry per game sorry in his, um, career. In his career two hundred forty three points in three hundred four games, which is actually well set point seven nine, but mm. you know I think it's point seven nine eight or something like that. So whatever point eight, that's that's not something you can easily you know go away from, and you know he's twenty five. So if you get him for, you know, seven, you know, six to eight years or whatever, you're looking at, you know, him playing not only in his prime, but also, you know, spending his entire career here. And he's producing at a really good level, uh, really good, you know, numbers. Um, but then I'm, also, how do you replace goal scoring like that? You can't. It no, just, I, it just I, doesn't I, come willy-nilly. I think that's a fair argument. And I would, I would say also like in a sense to, to enhance your argument, like he's kind of having the, he's probably having the worst year, at least in recent memory in terms of points and, and output. Um, so that's gone better that, with Bruce Boudreau. Like that was, no, it has, but it, yeah. that also lowers the value, right? That it, it's not like you're selling them high. You're selling them at a more kind of lukewarm or low. Um, I, and I, I totally get it. I just think he doesn't drive play enough. Um, compared to other guys. Um, But I also think uh, our next player that we'll talk about is really also contingent on that scenario to to trade Besser. 
Um, and, and that person is, um, are you in or out on JT Miller? I'm out. Okay. So I am. And that's, yeah. Well, and it, it's, it's, as you mentioned with cap, it's, it's a cap situation. JT Miller is getting paid only what? 5.25 mm-hmm. million. He's an above a point per game player. Uh, for the Canucks, for the Canucks, not his career. For the Canucks, he's been a more than a point per game player. Um, this season, and I'm pretty sure last season he was around a point per game. Yeah, he's extremely good uh, on the wing. He can prove that he's proven that he can play the center. He plays uh, on a power play. He plays on a penalty kill. He plays everywhere. The only issue is not only is he getting underpaid right now, but he'll be a UFA in at the end of next season. And he's going to command, if he stays hot for next season, he'll command at least 8 to $9 million, which is something that Besser won't do. But Besser, I think, still has enough to like show that he's worth it. But then also, at the time of his contract, he'll be 30. Yeah. I mean, JT Miller's turning 29 in about a week and a half from now. Yeah. He'll be 30 by the time of his end of the contract. I don't want to sign JT Miller to eight or nine years or sorry, eight or 9 million for mm-hmm. eight years. Yeah. Like that's, I don't think that's a winning strategy. I think yeah. it's pretty, um, I think that's a Jim Benning move in a sense is very incompetent to do. Um, and I, I think that's completely neglecting what this team can offer in the future because JT Miller is not the future of this team. The future of this team is, you know, Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, and players that we can build around them. But it's certainly not JT Miller. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. Like, I, I think with JT Miller, like, the biggest reason, as you mentioned, the, the cap fit is really good, right? Um, in terms of because it's so low and it's another year, if you're a contending team, it's, it's definitely um, worth it. And also you have the biggest thing is that you have uh, it's another year. So the value of the contract and as much as that you'll get in return is even like higher. And I think with that contract, if you're like a really team close to it, maybe a Rangers, I don't know what he's close to two first round picks, honestly, with that cap hit, how good he's been. If uh, not more, like probably more. I think because of the short-term deal of the contract, like it's long, it's two years, but it's not, it's like, maybe it's a first and a really like close to NHL ready, like first round pick or second round pick. Who's been really good kind of thing. Like, I think he's worth at least a first and a top prospect, like not just the middling, but like a top prospect. Um, I don't know if he's worth more. I don't know if he's worth more than two, but um, either way, well, he's worth a lot. Tyler Toffoli got, and you said a first and a second. Yeah, and I mean, I, he's worth. But the thing is, Toffoli has, I think, two more years left, and even less cap hit. So it really depends how you kind of see it, right? Um, I think he's a better player than Toffoli, um, but again, there's a little bit less flexibility and a little bit of a higher cap hit. So, um, but again, I think you get a lot. You get a lot for him, and I think if you're the Canucks. You, you trade him and get as much as you can back. Um, and I think it would be naive unless you have a long-term, tr- like, great hometown discount where you sign him for, I don't know what, um, it, you know, in the summer and you kind of have 
made that kind of deal. Um, you're going to get less form if you trade him next year. Right. And are you going to win the cup next year? I, I don't think so. I just think you're too far away. So it, to me, it makes too much sense to, to trade him now, get as much back and then go from there. And, and that's the thing, right? Like it, it's entirely dependent on what Jamie Rutherford and the rest of the front office see this team being. If they think it's a retool with a couple of players moving in and out, then maybe they do keep JT Miller, but you know, if you're just looking at the cap situation on its own, you have to realize how dangerous it is to play with, you know, or to perhaps want to sign JT Miller. And there's no guarantee that he will stay in Vancouver. You know, I mean, he's been so good. Why would he not want to test the waters somewhere else? In yeah, you definitely an organization that. that can actually push to win it. Um, I mean, and as we said, I, I mean, I'm firmly in the belief that he can get it like a first, a second and some really good prospects because not only is he really good offensively, he's really good defensively. He plays in every situation. He plays matchup role at times if needs be. So this is someone that you have to put a lot of value on in. He's worth a hell of a lot more than his contract is. And it's not like his contract is unreasonable. His contract's five and a half or 5.25, I believe. So even like you can get the Canucks, you know, holding on to money for, you know, you can get the Canucks to have uh, keep or retain, sorry, that's the word, retain retain. a small percentage of it. I mean. I think you can only retain. uh, Actually, it's confusing, but I think retaining makes sense. Um, just to make the deal kind of easier. And also just like, if you're only retaining 25 or 50%, sure. That's a big hit, but you don't even need to do that. You just need to retain like, you know, 10% and it, it yeah. does like it changes. Things. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I think you do because it's not a long-term deal. You, if, if it gets you way better prospects or whatever, then you do it. Right. And I mean, they also have to match salary to a certain extent. So unless a team all of a sudden like the Leafs have all this LTAR money, um, essentially you're going to have to take something back. Right. And that's kind of the, the hard part. Um, but it also might make it easier for the Canucks to get more too, because of the salary. So um, I think he's, I think if they don't trade him at the deadline, they probably aren't trading anyone um, unless they're overblown by another offer for like Besser. So um Unless you had something else, I'm. We'll go quickly through the next couple because I don't think it'll be as much, but I think it's an interesting little discussion. You better not have PD in there. There's no uh, way PD should ever okay. be. Okay, I, I had him in there. Um, I I think it's not the right time to do it, but I think in the summer there might be a discussion where you think about it. Can like just you? Have, I think you have to evaluate everything, but I think two guys or really one guy that I think has been rumored around is Connor Garland and are you in or out? Uh, just I am... listeners know he's making 4.95 for another four and a half years, including this one. So, so it's really good value for what he produces. Um, well, he could produce a bit higher, but you know what? He doesn't play on the main power play. He rarely gets power play time. So I think if, if he did get power play time, I think he could at least have another 10 points in the season. Um, or maybe not 10 points, but he, he'd have at least five to eight more yeah. points yeah, at yeah. least. Um, so it's hard. He has a lot of value. He works hard. He drives play. I think he works really well on a bunch of different lines and a bunch of dis- different situations. 
Um, he's young. He's what, 24? Uh, I I think he's a bit old. He's 25. Yeah. 25. Um, he plays both on the left wing and the right wing. There's a lot of value. Um, I don't think he's in the same category as, say, like a Brock Besser. But mm-hmm. I think if so, like if the right deal came, I would say consider it and maybe trade him. But I think for the most part, he can be a, a piece moving forward in the organization. No, I completely agree. I, I think unless you're blown away or you feel like you're getting a great deal, I think you just leave it because those are the kind of contracts that you kind of win with where you get a guy who's really good at driving play um, on a kind of team friendly long term deal that takes him into his prime, right? Like he's, he'll be maybe 30, I think 29 at the end of this, right? So that's a completely fine deal if you're the Canucks, right? Like you're not getting him when he's taking him to 33, right? And it's a team friendly deal. If he has like a kind of 50 point season every year, which he's kind of on pace to like, that's definitely worth the money. And, you know, he drives play, as you mentioned, I think, you, you look at it, he's not untouchable. I think you have a different discussion if it's PD or Horvat. Um, but uh, I think I think you, you keep on to him. So I'm, I'm in. And um, yeah, I think I think, you know, I think this wraps it up because I think we already have your feeling on PD. And I, I think Horvat probably is more an offseason thing. I don't think they trade him at the deadline. So um, well, the last thing I would like to add for Connor Garland, when we say the right, you know, deal comes around if you're getting like a number three or four defenseman for connor garland that's something you really need to consider yeah yeah yeah. Um, no. i would not trade connor but, garland another forward i think you just like what's the point you're not really also i think if you're trading garland for a back end d you might be giving up more like depending on kind of who it is like maybe if it's a, a lind home or something but in a lot of cases there's not a lot of guys that i think you're getting more for like like you're probably giving up a pick on top if you're trying to get a top defenseman. Right. It would be like a, th- a third round pick kind of thing just to sweeten the deal a little bit. Maybe, but like, yeah. So I just, I think it doesn't make as much sense right now um, unless it's like a kind of one for one or kind of limited draft capital, like a third round pick. Um, but uh, I think, what do you, I guess, what do you think the the Canucks will, like the front office will will do at the trade deadline? This trade, oh, well, it, it's really difficult to know because it's it's either going to be, do they believe that they can work with this team or do they believe that they need to retool significantly? And if they're going to choose to retool significantly, they're going to trade players like Luke Shen at the deadline. They're going to trade, uh, a lot of teams have been looking at Kyle Burroughs. Like he has value as a seven, eight defenseman. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to look to trade, uh, Brad Hunt. They're going to look to trade, you know, players. Maybe, maybe even like Tyler Mott. If they don't think they can re-sign Tyler Mott, then Tyler Mott would have a lot of value in the transfer market um, the for the end of the season. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? At the transfer market. You meant okay. Free well, agency. Deadline. Free yeah. agent. Yeah. Deadline day for for playoffs and so yeah. on. Um, but yeah, there there are a few players that I can see the Canucks considering to trade but they need to make that decision. Are they going to go forward with this team or are they going to make some retools and re- and readjustments and so on? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm asking, what do you think they'll do? Do you think they'll trade or do you think they'll stand pat? If, if they're smart and I, 
well, I, they're, obviously they're intelligent. Um, if if I I hope that we've seen enough of this short-term thinking to realize that, you know, this team is not good enough. We need to get more assets, which is something we don't really have. So you got to trade. You got to trade and accumulate the assets and move forward. Um, and it's even like with, with players, like signing players like Tanner Pearson at 3.25 mil. Okay, he's a good player. You know, he's about a point five, you know, half a point per game player. But he's a really good player, or he's the, he's the kind of player that you want as like a finishing touch on a Stanley Cup contending team. He is not a player that should be on a Vancouver Canucks. Like, yeah. what is – he's not a third-line grinding player. He's like a below-par – second line player yeah and he's, around that yeah. Yeah. so it's it's just you know players like that it, it, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. uh but i i certainly hope that they have enough understanding to realize that we do need to uh get assets and the only way to get assets is by trading away our current players yeah no i i completely agree i think they'll i think that there's one big trade at the deadline um, just because I think with the guys, they're probably going to trade either Besser or Miller. It makes more, it doesn't make as much, there doesn't, there's not a huge incentive for them to trade them in the off season compared to, to the trade deadline. Like it makes more sense just because of the way it works. Um, so I, I think if they're smart, they they'll do it. And I think honestly, for me, it's a, it's kind of a, um, a way to see if they're actually a smart organization or if they're not in a sense, like have they really changed or are they still trying to push for a playoff spot? Like, I think if they kept the team as it was right now, they could maybe squeak into the playoffs with how they're playing, but what's that for? Right. Like I'd rather have a top pick. Um, And, you know, I, I don't think this draft class is crazy, but just another first round pick, and then probably if you trade one, you're getting another one this year um, and, and kind of start stockpiling the cupboard and, and get guys in there and just kind of get more prospects in. And maybe you trade it in a year or, or in two years from now when they're a better team. But I, I don't think they're close to that. I still think they're at least two years away. Um, and I think that's why you need to get kind of talent in um, and, and use value right now um, with guys that might not be here for the long term. And it's also, we need those top players to take the next step and really become dominant, control yeah. everything. And, and this is something like some players, it just takes a bit longer, like Sasha Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. You know, three years ago, no one was really talking about them. And they would have been around 23 years old which is what Pedersen is now I'm not saying Pedersen will be Barkov or, or Huberdeau level but you know now we're seeing those two players really bring it and everyone's talking about them in a market that no one cares, cares about because it's Florida right so yeah. you know we need to see the you know Canucks players take the next step that's a big part of it as well yeah, I think if Pedersen and, and, and if they keep Besser and, and Horvat and Garland all play at their peak, even if they trade Miller, they'll still have a really good core, right? And, and yeah. obviously Hoglander and Put Colson coming up, like they have guys that are going to be like top six players probably in, in the next little while.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. There's like some motorcyclists outside. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you want to transition? Is there anything else you'd want to talk about the Canucks or are we done with this wrap up? Right. So just a few things. One, and I'll just outline it very quickly. One, the organizing, the, the GM in front office need to determine what this organization is, assess the current roster, not just their absolute potential, but how poor they can be. And then also what assets does Vancouver have, not only in the pipeline, but in the draft capacity. And then also what coaching and other uh, tools or other resources we have in the system. We need to figure out what the current and future cap cap space looks like, um, what the additional uh, cap space that we might, or the projected cap space is probably gonna go up this year as it hasn't um, increased in the last couple of years. I think it's supposed to go up like a million or something. And like, that helps, though. That helps yeah. considerably. And um, Longo is finally off. Like, hmm. it's been so long of just $3 million, and now it's and now it's gone, right? So. Right. Um, you need to determine whether this needs to be a retool or a rebuild. There's no in-between, and it, it needs to be defined. But you need to think about long-term success. You cannot think about, oh, we just want to make the playoffs. We have to think about, we want to actually win the Stanley Cup. That is what the bar should be. Not playoffs, Stanley Cup. Then also understand the current contractual obligations and make sound decisions with the big picture in mind. So as we mentioned earlier, JT Miller, Brock Besser. I mean, Brock Besser is 25. JT Miller is going to be 30 at the end of this contract. Um, What are you going to, who are you going to sign? Like, even if JT Miller has a lot more value in a sense, he's going to be 30. Can you really afford to sign that long term? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so we need to figure that out. And then also, if one for one trade, and this is the Jimmy Rutherford special, one for one trades occur all the time. You solve my problem, I solve your problem. I'll give you a middling shit forward, you'll give me a middling shit defenseman. And that's how it works. Um, so I expect to see something of that nature yeah. with the uh, trade deadline coming into uh, coming more at our, off our season. More off season. Like I, I could see them flipping yeah. like maybe a Besser who's an RFA for a really good young defense or like a defenseman on a team that has a lot of defensemen kind of thing or even Garland or something like that. So yeah. as we mentioned, so no, I completely. Yeah. So, so I, I think that, that, that pretty much caps it for the Canucks. Um, we're running pretty much out of time. So let, let's go quickly through some of the other Canadian teams uh oilers under the new coach they've been doing really well uh they look kind of revitalized in a sense but obviously there are some issues they lost uh, the habs last night although the habs been streaking but still they lost to the habs marty st louis it seems like with these new coaches in the canadian markets it it goes a long way apparently (laughs) uh maybe not in in winnipeg but uh, everywhere else it does seem as though that's That's because he's the coach of one of the dad he's he's one of the dads in the room so yeah maybe yeah yeah (laughs) Um, no, I, th- I think with Oilers, uh, they, they've been, they started really good under Woodcroft. They've kind of been sliding a bit. They're five, four and one in their last 10. Um, again, this team, as you expect, 10th in goals, 22nd in, in goals allowed, um, not the greatest goaltending with a 40 year old and a Koskinen who's just meh. Not great. Yeah. Um, and again, that's kind of their biggest problem. I do think a flurry trade would actually be feasible. Um, just because Koskinen, you could flip out and basically if Chicago ate the money um, because Fleury's a 
UFA um, at the end of the year, if they had half, then basically would make the money work. So um, mm-hmm. if I'm them, I go all in this year, honestly. Um, the problem is, is that they're not even <laughs> for sure a playoff spot. And especially with that loss last night, like they're on the outside looking in, in terms of points percentage and just in, in everything. So I think with this team going in a slightly better direction, I think Woodcroft seems to be a decent coach, but I, I'm not too confident about them until they get good goaltending and, and their defense. They just play better defensive hockey. Calgary Flames, 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. They've been really good. Uh, they seem they're, – they're so streaky. Like, they'll be really, really good for a while, and then they'll just have a patch where they're just mediocre, and then they'll be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the additions that they made, with the coaching change, getting a really good coach in Daryl Sutter um, – Sorry, Sutter. Sutter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my mind, I, I was mixing Sutter and then Sittler. And yeah. then yeah, just, anyways, they're really good coaching. They have a really good foundation with their goaltending and then also defensive cores well built. Um, offense, I'm a little worried that they don't, they have really good offense, but I'm a little worried they don't have high end, high end offense, like enough of that. Uh, to compete for an actual cup, like mm. say a Colorado Avalanche, Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, do have. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it'll be interesting because they are doing quite well. Um, any any quick thoughts on that? Or, oh, well, I just think I I definitely get what you mean about. But they're still six in goals. They have three guys over a point a game. A bunch of kind of <laughs> Mangiapani's like they have three guys already with 20 goals and it's right. hasn't even been 55 games for them. Um, they're second in goals allowed. I think their D is really good. And I think other than Shesterk and Markstrom's maybe been the best goalie in the league other than him. Um, so, yeah, I just think this team's actually really, really good. I think they could win the cup. They, they kind of remind me. I feel like every team that doesn't have a top five player just reminds me of 2019 blues. Um, but again, they're big, huge decor you know, your, your Tanev analytics, darling, um, on the blue line with Chris Tanev, who's a great player. Um, but they just have a, such a good defensive core. Uh, again, no real, real studs, but a lot of really, really good, big, strong defensemen. I think they're a real team. And I think, they're uh, smart. yeah. It's and they play, they play smart hockey. Yeah. And so, um, I think in, especially in the Pacific, like Vegas, who knows what happens to that team, um, really been underwhelming and, and injuries just all over. So I think especially in the Pacific, they could make the conference finals. And then, you know, who knows who's still there on the other side. And then, you know, once you're in the conference finals, you can win the cup, right? You're halfway there. So I, I think they actually have a really good chance of going far in the playoffs. Already, Your Winnipeg Jets have not looked good. They're in a tough, tough division, but I think it's it's safe to say maybe this season is looking to be kind of over in a sense. Um, I, I will say, like, as bad as they've been this year, I don't know how they're not farther out. Um, I think that's an indication of how the West isn't as good as the East, at least in terms of maybe the top eight. Um, I think this team's just been – this season's just been a season from hell um, in terms of – like, they haven't been good. I, I don't think – they're undeserving to be where they are, but um, they're three and 10 in overtime this year, which is just kind of, you know, an anomaly if they were seven and 
six or anything like that, they'd actually be pretty close or just even the opposite. Right. Um, but that, you know, Shifley is horrible at the worst defensive hockey player in the league. Um, and this is someone that we were rating very highly. Yeah. yeah no, no. And he was great in the playoffs, but offensively he's still good, but um, the team can't score five on five every time they kind of are trending in the right direction. A top guy gets injured um, for an extended period of time right now they're kind of healthy and they've been four, four and two in their last 10. So they're, if they went on this kind of one 10 out of 12, they'd actually have a chance because of how bad the West has been. I just don't see it happening. Um, but who knows, but if I'm them complete sellers, you trade Statsny, um, you trade cop and you get as much picks and, and, and stuff back. All right. Toronto Maple Leafs um, <laughs> lost two games in a row and latest one being to the Canucks last night. Um, they're still poised to make the playoffs. I think they're yeah. a better team than Boston Bruins over a 82 game season, perhaps on the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> throw a little shade there, but you know, they're, they're really solid. They, their issue right now is goaltending. It, oh, yeah. it really is. It's, it's awful. No, I mean, they've had, I think I saw it, I, I couldn't find it, but it, I saw it on Twitter that they had the worst goaltending in the whole league since like January 9th or something. And obviously there was the 10-7 game, which they won. Um, but Mrazic's been horrible. Campbell was awesome to start the year, like Shesterkin level good, and then he's just completely fallen off. But he's um, a very streaky goalie because this is not the first time. Yeah, so I think with them... If they get goaltending, um, I think they're okay. I do think they're missing one more defenseman. They're like Sandine and Riley are kind of turnstiles, as good as they are offensively and with that team. Um, I'm just kind of worried about can they defend at a high enough level and um, can they get goaltending? Right now, they're fourth in offense, which I think is completely fair, but they're 16th in goals allowed. And obviously, that's completely trended backwards in recent the past two months i think they were more like top five ten but if they're in the playoffs they need to be a, a really solid defensive team especially if they play the panthers or the lightning in the first round or carolina if they were to sneak behind boston so um either way it's, it's going to be a tough tough road but um i think it's interesting to see what they do at the deadline yeah yeah well We'll see if they address some goaltending issues, but that, I mean, that, that has to be frustrating. Yeah. Um, and they were doing really, it wasn't just, they had good goaltending at the start of the year. They're playing really, really solid defensive hockey. Yeah. Um, if they, if they had goaltending this past stretch, I think they'd be ahead of the lightning and, and Tampa Bay um, and they'd be first. And that'd be a huge advantage for them just because they'd be not playing Tampa or the lightning in the first round. Right. So, right. And of course, that's not, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's go to Ottawa. And I've been telling you for, I don't know how long this team, as much as you thought, or I don't want to say you necessarily specifically, but a whole lot of our friends back home were saying that this team is getting closer and closer to playoffs. And I've been on the opposite trajectory. trajectory well i've been saying the complete opposite and lo and behold ten thousand iq uh I, I, honestly i think hot and cold um 
I mean, I th- I think the problem is that the defense hasn't been addressed. Um, I think this year you can, honestly, um, I think in a weird way, last year kind of made them look better than they were because they were in probably the worst division in hockey. Um, right. And, and they have a worse record to this point than they did last year in 56 games, essentially. Uh, but yeah, no, they've been really bad, but they've also got really unlucky. Like they were playing um, really well until Aaron Dell, for whatever reason, slew foots Drake Batherson, who I think won player of the month or something um, and was and is over a point a game player. Right. And they had won a bunch of games and they've really slid since that. And then obviously in uh, November, they, the whole team got COVID and they had to play five games without anybody. So I think it's again, it's been a really unlucky year, but the defense isn't good enough and their forwards aren't good enough defensively. I think if the deep core is anywhere where like anywhere similar to what it is right now, um, that's on, that's on, Dorian and I think the coaching like last night was the worst I I don't even know what to talk say about it um against Arizona but that was defensive errors you know and they've actually got decent goaltending weirdly enough um not last night but in general it's been all right um in the past couple months it just um they just don't have a good enough defenseman other than Shabbat and Zub and Holden on a on the right day they have their back guys are just not good enough. And um, I think that's the interesting thing to see. Jake Sanderson's going to be back this year. I think if he looks like he looks at lower levels, that is one fix, but then you still need another defenseman. Um, Mm. And they have a bunch of draft capital. If they do not get another defenseman in the off season, this is wrong. Cause I think the forward group, um, isn't that far away, um, especially with another first round, like top five to 10 pick coming up in, in this year's draft. It could go to a defenseman as well, but, um, you know, if they got the Slovak kid or Shane Wright, they're not that far off, um, I think, but they're also not that close. They need like things need to happen. They have the cap space, they have the ca- draft capital. Um, but if they don't make the playoffs or are at least what, Detroit is next year. Dorian should be gone and DJ Smith should be gone because it's enough's enough. Right. Well, I, I think, and, and this is what I was alluding to before, but this is pretty much exactly where, based on the team, this is where the sense should be at. Like, I, I honestly, I think yes and no. I think offensive, like as a team, I think if they didn't have so much kind of bad things happen to them, especially with COVID and stuff. And, and obviously um, just kind of injuries at a lot of bad times. Right. But a like, lot of teams have the same experience. They do. But also, I just mean like their t- second and third line centers were out basically the whole year. Right. So like, that's hard. I mean, again, the team is not built to be a playoff team, but like to lose those kind of guys and then have a huge COVID outbreak, which made basically made them lose four games um five games and then their best player get injured on like a freak play by an asshole goalie um I think is just kind of the season right um I don't think you know I don't think they're as bad as they look but they're not as good as I think I thought they should be um if that makes sense I thought they'd be more kind of like Detroit is where they're fledgling to kind of 500 um 
and and they're not even close. Right. They're at 3.98 points per game. Yeah. Um, turning over to Montreal, who's somehow – sends, baby. Let's – come on. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, they had a good win last night. Um, but, I mean, what can we say? They've been doing a lot better under Marty St. Louis. They're 7-3-0 and in their last 10 games. Seven out of eight. Yeah. I mean, they, they look good. Uh, but at the same time – you know, too much damage has been done and it's this season is not salvageable. So what's the point of starting to win now? I feel like you need to just, you know, stay on the losing track yeah. and get a good prospect and build from there. Um, Suzuki has looked really, really good. Caulfield has looked really, really good. Um, I think what Caulfield had one goal in like 20 something games with the previous coach. And now he has like four or five. I think it was one goal in 30, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, yeah. and now he has like five or six goals in, in like, 10 games uh i think he has seven in like 14 or something well well there you go right like so marty st louis clearly has the magic touch right now as every canadian coach that has been fired and then gone new coach has and can uh, has so far um i think i think in a weird way i don't think they were as bad as they were to start the year right, right. Uh, and and i think i mean their record right now i think is still maybe slightly worse than they really are as a team like they're obviously not winning seven out of ten i doubt that continues especially once they trade sherrod and the and maybe even petrie like they'll have less d um and they should be just under a 500 team around that i think they're more kind of where the sends are at um in terms of um talent and like right now on the roster um okay Right, yeah. and, and they have some key like injuries with Weber and Carey Price. And... I mean, Weber, I don't think is going to come back. That's kind of what it sounds like uh, okay. ever. But Price, obviously, you know, he's kind of close um, or thereabouts. Who knows? Um, but like he's been practicing. Um, I think with this team, in a good way, this is what they needed. Um, sure, it's great that if you come last, the worst pick that you can get is fourth. Um, but it's only marginal in terms of how more likely you are to, to get right or the, the Slovak kid. Um, so I think with this guy, with Marty St. Louis, he's been perfect because look who's doing great. The people they needed to be playing well, if this team's going to be a success in the, down the road, Suzuki's been great. He's had, I just looked at, I have some, a little stat for you, both him and Caulfield have 12 points in their last eight games. And Suzuki's had back-to-back three-point nights. So, like, that's the kind of thing. Obviously, that's not, I don't think, sustainable. Maybe Suzuki would be a point-per-game player. But um, I think with this this Habs team, you want those young guys to play well. And they hadn't been before, and now they are. And they won't win enough games for it to be that they lose on a top-10 pick. Like, it's just impossible. They, they dug their hole. But, you know, so I think in a way – they get those guys to play well and then they get a top five or so pick and then great. They have another kind of guy to go with in the future and and they start that and they'll have at least probably three first round picks in this draft, assuming they get a first for Sherrod. So they'll have a bunch of prospects coming up and and at least one top five to 10 guy. And then the future might look scary for them. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I'm still a bit less. If, if they hit, if they hit on their picks. Yeah, yeah, and and they'll have more depth, and I th- and they have a decent prospect pool, anyways. You know, Caden Gooley's decent. Um, obviously, Olivier could talk at length about their prospect pool, but they do have 
not a great one, but not a bad one. So they have guys coming up. Um, I do not want to talk about Logan Mayu, but I mean, no, he, we're not, he we're looks not good, but um, that's a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, I, I think that caps it for, for this week's uh, Geeking on Sportscast. Uh, I think we're, we're way over time here so i do apologize for that but thank you dear listener for tuning into this week thank you alex as always for being here um we'll come back next week i think there's some champions league this week so we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll talk a bit about the prem action as it's getting uh it's getting nice and tasty and juicy and everything yeah so we'll, we'll get into that soon but thank you dear listener for tuning into this week till then till next time take care <laughs>